0: So, Lamar Jackson eats shrimp Alfredo before every single NFL football game.
1: Really? Despite where he is currently in the country or world, even?
0: Yeah, like, like, he's had this mysterious illness all year, and I'm convinced now that it is because he literally eats shrimp Alfredo before every single football game, like I, I literally just imagine that scene from The Office for the Michael Scott fun run, and they, you know, he he's sitting there and he's eating a bunch of fettuccine Alfredo before the run, and then he like throws up everywhere. <laughs>
1: Salutations and welcome to the Trash Turtle Fantasy Podcast. Now, whether you've tuned in from Spotify, iTunes, maybe a tin can on a string, or maybe that guy on the bus seat across from you is broadcasting us over his speakerphone, I just want to thank you today for tuning in.
0: I'm convinced that that's Lamar Jackson. Here, here's the exact quote. I want to make sure that I do it justice. Here, he said, "So they asked him about his uh, pre-game meal, and he said shrimp Alfredo. That's my meal before the game. They say pasta helps your brain. I feel like I go out with a level head, and I can think. Man. This is this this is not." This man needs to hire a nutritionist right now.
1: <laughs> I also, I got to wonder where he's getting it from. I mean, are we talking about some, like, are we talking about Olive Garden Shrimp Alfredo? Or are we talking about, like, Red Lobster Shrimp Alfredo? Or are we talking about some Back Alley Shrimp Alfredo? Like, what is going on I, there?
0: I don't know, but I, I'm convinced at this point that this led to the famous Lamar you know bathroom break game and that this is what has completely like made him sick all year that like he doesn't have covid it's not covid related it's not covid he's just really sick he's had a virus all year i'm totally convinced that this is related to that that they, they need to get him a a a nutritionist a dietitian or something you know i, I once watched a video of i think it was like the washington football team A few years ago, and it was like the players eating. Right. And they talked about the food that they feed the players. And like the things that these people can figure out, like they go to the NFL. Right. And then these fancy doctors and nutritionists do a bunch of tests on them. And they say, yeah, you actually have a slight allergy to this random food. Right. And so you should stop eating that. And like, they, they literally, it's like, if you've ever played a video game, it's like min-maxing. Right. Right. Yeah. They're, they're min-maxing these people to to get them to the most peak performance. And it's like, they never did this to Lamar and like, never even thought about controlling his meals and like, working on his diet. I don't know. I, I, that's that's my crazy conspiracy theory. I don't know if there's anything to it. He does like it's not a conspiracy theory that he says he eats shrimp Alfredo every game. He, he that's not a conspiracy theory. My conspiracy theory is this is what's made him sick. I, I mean, to be clear, I, I drink alcohol before and during every podcast episode, um, <laughs> and I I have yet to hear a negative correlation to that. So maybe Lamar should try that. I mean, I think Marshawn Lynch said he took shots before every game.
1: I mean, that actually sounds like that would make you play better.
0: I mean, I'm running back for sure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a painful yeah, pro- position, man.
1: Probably not a quarterback if you have to make like decisions and stuff like that. Probably don't take no. like shots like just pounding fireball. <laughs> <laughs> like get together with your wide receiver core and be like, "All right, guys, circle up. This is a huddle yeah. for fireball now." <laughs>
0: well speaking of alcohol i i was gifted a bottle here that's what i'm drinking right now i've never heard of it before i have no idea if, if you know it's well known or whatever but it's called mr peabody small batch rye whiskey it's fine it's nothing to write home about i'm enjoying it i had some cabernet a little earlier as well it's uh it's been a week and my my week is officially done I, uh, I I'm officially on Thanksgiving, so uh, cheers to that. Um, how have you been, Iken? How How are you doing?
1: Um, been better, but chugging along, just <laughs> almost there. I got about almost eight, there. Got about 80 more days before I'm done. Done. Uh, but yesterday, I I did something that's a little uncharacteristic for me. I walked in the door after a very long day, and on my way in, it's not even in the fridge, it's outside because it's cold here. Yeah. There's a set of shelves next to my door on the way in, and it just has a 12 pack full of seltzers in there. (laughs) And these are your, these are, these are Bud Light tie dye seltzers, which, Uh you know, they look like they're childish. And in all honesty, they are. But you know what? After the day I had, that was quite satisfying. it's like a blueberry, blue res, something, something, tie-dye something. I don't even know. You didn't uh,
0: care in that moment. No. You just But it was you just needed that. Yeah.
1: I I literally just I was still in my uniform. I literally just lay down on the couch and just drank my my <laughs> you know what? It was super satisfying. It was it was very, very good. In that moment, in that moment, everything was right for just a couple of minutes. Actually, it got better because then uh, my my wife and kid walked in the door, and she like came up and like just jumped on me. And we were, <laughs> we were playing, and it was it, it turned into a much better situation. But there you
0: go. Uh, but but yeah, well, I'm glad I'm glad it got better. Yeah. I've been doing well.
1: Yeah, I was gonna say how how are you doing with the new job? How's that working out?
0: It's great. I've been, I've been enjoying it. I've, I've been getting my steps in. Uh, you know, when you're unemployed, you know, you kind of have to force yourself to go for walks. But if you're walking to work, I'm, I'm not a driver. I don't like driving that much. Uh, you know, you, you get a good amount of steps in every day. So I'm getting my steps in. Yeah, so I'm enjoying it. But let, let's, uh, let, let's get into the football before we get too sidetracked here. Um, so... I, I thought it would be a fun idea to, we, we've we done these in the past, and usually we'll have guests on, but really getting everyone together with, you know, families and, and yeah. kids and wives and stuff, it, it, it's been a mess. So we, we just decided we would go ahead and do the episode ourselves. Uh, we, we, we call it the tight end special. We, you know, I don't even think I was in the last one. It was... Uh, dk and noro right yeah
1: yeah and you were on special assignment there you were trying to uncover a mystery back then (laughs) at that point uh which was totally worthwhile um yeah but no as as a quick recap we did have two of the more prominent members of the discord come in and lay out a Compelling argument.
0: Prominent. Don't give these guys too much credit. (laughs) (laughs) Uh,
1: How about let's say vocal? Say vocally prominent. (laughs) Yeah, Uh, they were standing pretty hard for Noah Fant and uh, Hawkinson. Yeah, and we were discussing kind of some of the metrics that provide relevance for the for the position. And just as kind of a quick overview, we are looking at this position differently than we would many other skill positions because most leagues only have a single slot for tight end. And so therefore, you're not really necessarily looking for like a top 12 tight end or you're, you're, you know, you're most of your leagues are going to be 12, man. So, like, if you get a top 12 tight end, that's a starting tight end. Well, that's great, everything, right? But the problem is is that each one of them, pretty much each tight end is kind of its own tier in a sense, almost. Um, there's, a yeah. couple, there's a couple that are, are, like, share tiers. But it's not like where you have, like, a set of, like, six, seven... Guys, and then it, the tear drops off. You have another six, seven. And the tear drops off, right? Like it, they are very small tiers and it is a noticeable drop off. And so, just kind of discussing the nuance and the metrics that we use to really look at that is kind of where it was. So, I mean, for the viewers at home that have not listened to it yet, it's a lot of what we talk about is relevant because of the way that we present it, and we just use specific names that were super relevant last year to, as. Examples, um, mm-hmm. and I think that a lot of the standing, especially for like Hawkinson and Fant, has kind of played out so yeah. far, and I like to think that it will continue. A lot of the concerns that you have, especially with like Fant this year, uh, the QB question has, you know, I still think kind of stymied his progression a little bit. I mean, we were we were talking our our pregame. Discussion we were talking about. You said Fant is one of the most athletic tight ends in the history of the game, right? Mm-hmm. Not the most athletic, but one of the most athletic tight ends. Uh, mm-hmm. I believe the Hawkinson was also kind of in that, you know, same pedigree, and so you know it's super interesting to watch guys that are such magnificent specimens of athleticism to go forth and to become relevant and and pit them against the metrics that we have seen success and production value out of them and to see what comes out the other side. And I think that th- this year it's it, it's another good one, right? And 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 now we have an opportunity to bring a fresh bet, you know, using the same metrics, the same discussion points, we now can bring in Kyle Pitts and Pat Fryermuth and, kind of look at a lot of our favorites from last year so i know you have a couple guys you want to talk about why don't you kick us off
0: yeah i mean thanks that that was a really good uh build-up i love that um yeah so i i will start with kyle pitts i mean he's he's the unicorn everyone everyone loves talking about kyle pitts but it it feels almost like people it, it i feel like there's a quiet lull With the people who were like, aha, Kyle Pitts, rookie tight end fever, like he didn't work, aha, we were right. And it's like, I I just want to address some of those things. Because has he not scored touchdowns? Absolutely. has like one touchdown on the year. At the exact same time, he's having one of the greatest tight end rookie seasons in history, guys. Let's 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 be logical here. <laughs> yeah, tight
1: ends don't normally produce a whole lot of fantasy points in their rookie year, and he's number eight right now, I believe.
0: Yeah, I mean it's. It- Like, a key factor here is, like, I'm not always looking at fantasy points. Usually I'm looking at, like, expected points and targets and things of that nature. But, like, for example, I, I found a good list of stats here that I felt, like, really encapsulated Kyle Pitts. Um, and how he's done and i i use these for both players to try and be fair right i didn't like cherry pick one for one and a different one for the other one so right for for kyle pitts for all rookie tight ends since 2000 in their rookie year so first year rookie tight ends right he is through the amount of weeks we're at which is through 11 weeks so far he is second in targets first in yards Fourth and half PPR points, second in target market share, and second in expected points. So the expected points is going to kind of encapsulate encapsulate everything else I just said. It's sort of like a metric that includes all of those. But second expected points... Like he's, he's really getting a lot of usage for a tight end. He's having a great time. Um, his fantasy points I've expected are negative 6.8. Cause once again, he's not, you know, converting a lot of that. He, his TD rate is terrible, but I, <laughs> I think he is as advertised so far. Like he, yeah. people said, people said he's not going to pay off unless he has the greatest rookie tight end season ever. And I don't know how to break it to you guys, but he's sort of there, you know? (laughs) Yeah.
1: So, um, and thanks for bringing in some of the metrics. I think that's really, uh, really important to look at and to keep in mind. I believe when we were looking at those numbers earlier, that Evan Engram was kind of in the conversation, and a lot of, he was right next to him in a lot of metrics, right?
0: yeah, he, he, him and him, him and Pat, uh, him and Kyle Pitts were, uh, hand in hand in most of these. So, yes, like, Kyle Pitts could have an, an Evan Ingram career. Like, he, like, I'm not gonna lie, like, that's in the range of outcomes. But I'm someone that looks at the fact that Evan Ingram has consistently demanded targets in his entire career. And I'm sitting there going, yes, taking Kyle Pitts at 105 in the rookie drafts, like, You know, I wouldn't be happy with an Evan Ingram type career, but I would say that that's a pretty low outcome for him. And like, if if that's the floor, I'm excited to see what the ceiling is because I I have such high hopes at this point based on what we've seen so far.
1: I think my gut right now is telling me that we are looking at pretty much your expected value, probably maybe a little bit closer to the floor because the. Tight the the TD conversion feels low, but I think in all other aspects you are seeing about what you kind of signed up for, and let's not you know let's let's be real about this. The the Falcons are suffering from many many things, and those things are injuries or just Calvin Ridley, whatever that is, and. What that's done is it's just left Kyle Pitts more or less as the only target for that attention. And when you and I were literally frame by frame looking at some plays of what the Patriots were doing in response to this week 11, and it was just Outrageous. I mean, first and foremost, it's Bill Belichick, and he's going to absolutely just remove your best player. It doesn't matter who you are. It's just their style. And so I think, what what was it, 31% of the routes that Pitts ran, he was double covered or had help coverage on him in some way, shape, or form.
0: Yeah, so this is this was from a tweet by Dwayne McFarland or Context Matters on Twitter. I think he works over there with uh, PFF and does a great uh, weekly utilization report. Yeah. But yeah, he tweeted that Kyle Pitts has faced double or help coverage on 20% of his routes this season, but Sunday the Patriots utilized double or help coverage on 31% of those routes. Mm-hmm. And I sort of brought this up pregame that I was sitting there going, "Hey guys." I think that there's sort of a narrative that the Patriots take out your number one option.
1: Yeah. And
0: obviously they did that. And we really did analyze that film. We went frame by frame mm-hmm. analyzing every aspect of the film where everyone was lined up, what sort of coverage was being shown and everything. And the Patriots were really focused on taking Kyle Pitts out of that game and they, I think they did a pretty decent job of that. But he was still getting targets, and I, I think that there was even times he was missed potentially. But the, the film was very interesting, and, and really did show that stat that we, you know, just mentioned of how covered he was. They were really focusing on him,
1: and it's really interesting to use that game. Is just it's, it's literally like a worst case scenario, right? You are going up against arguably the number one defense the number one secondary going up against a situation, which is you have no other offensive weapons. You lost Calvin Ridley. You don't have Julio anymore. You lost Cordell Patterson. You don't have a run game. So you like literally that is the worst case scenario. So I think even through all that, he got targets, he got catches. He, he made plays and he looked good doing it. I'm not even going to lie. So
0: yeah, he, he, you know he ended with a <clears throat> negative fantasy points ever expected that game i really just think that it's it's the patriots i mean that, that's what they do they and they did a, i think they did a decent job he to me you know i i hate doing this because we're going to get made fun of for doing this but he looked good despite the fact that you know he only had like three catches and you know people will say oh he he didn't catch the ball but oh man the hops <laughs> <laughs> well there were
1: there were i mean we even pointed out there's a couple times it was pretty close to dpi on some of this stuff right so you know what can you what can you really do i mean you've got to be superhuman to get through some of that so
0: yeah
1: anyway who else you got
0: uh let's move on to pat fryermuth and i i really am interested in pat fryermuth because he was a guy that kind of fell under the radar for me especially in rookie drafts i know some people were kind of hyping him up there was sort of this, okay, it's Kyle Pitts. And then for a little while there, it was like, oh, there's Brevin Jordan, who was a guy that was interesting. And then sort of, you know, he fell off the radar. And once Brevin Jordan got, you know, poor draft capital, I just kind of, honestly, I kind of ignored the position after Kyle Pitts. And, <laughs> yeah. and I'm feeling like that was a huge mistake. Um, Pat mm-hmm. Friermuth has kind of really impressed me in a lot of ways. Um, I I don't like saying like this because it's kind of a cliche, but he's having like a sneaky good season for a rookie. So using the same metrics that I mentioned before, I'm going to show you Pat Fryerbooth. This is stats compared to all rookie tight ends since the year 2000. He is ninth in targets about 22nd in yards now that's not great we're gonna i'm gonna talk about that in a minute seventh and half ppr points 14th in target market share and sixth in expected points the expected points being in my opinion probably the more important one here it's the most predictive going forward um the yards one is the concerning one, right? His dot not great. His you know yards per target, not awesome. Uh, just before this show, I was actually looking up. And yeah, he's he's second in the NFL in targets per route run of t- uh, tight ends with at least 45 targets. At the same time, he's not running that many routes.
1: Right. So. And the routes that he is running, just watching the film that I did on him, it seems like he's just getting like, like these little over the middle things, uh, most of the time. Not every time, but most of the time, they, it seems to be running over the middle, some sort of cross uh, or, yeah. or rub or something like that, and send him over there just to get to the first down. But you know who he does remind me of, um, and I said this earlier. Uh, he kind of reminds me a little bit of Kittle. He kind of got. He he kind of looks like he's like maybe he's look like he's playing in slow motion. Like he looks like he's, maybe he's running in slow motion or he's catching in slow motion. He's a big guy. Mm-hmm. And then when he does catch the ball, like that dude hangs tough and he, he will like throw people out of the way. Like, he is crazy. Like I get kill vibes off of him now. He's not George Kittle. George Kittle is still a monster. And I don't need to tell you that I have been a humongous George Kittle fan for years now, but, Man, he puts those vibes off to me. I like I like him. Um, I don't even like the Steelers, but I like that guy. He's just, I get a good feeling about him.
0: Now, I, I obviously have concerns. I did mention the yard factories 22nd in yards for rookie tight ends since 2000. That's not great. I mean, he's sitting there and his yards per target right now are 1.5. That's okay, yeah. but ideally we're a little closer to like 2. Right, I ideally we're closer to like say what like Mark Andrews gets, which is you know something about like point two four or Travis Kelsey at you know, uh you know oh sorry not point two four point two one or Travis Kelsey at point, uh one point nine right instead he's at about you know one point five and it's like eh, it's just not I, I really I want you to be closer to about two to really have that, you know, more elite tier, right? Kyle Pitts at 2.2, Mark Andrews at 2.1, Travis Kelsey, 1.9, uh, George Kittle, for example, 2.3. He's at one, and, you know, then we have Pat Friedman at 1.5. So the the yardage numbers are sort of scary because that does kind of matter here. Yeah. And one thing that I felt that was interesting about this situation is Eric Ebron's about to miss time. Now, obviously, we've mentioned it before. We don't believe in vacated targets. They're not real. But what is real is vacated opportunity, right? And I mentioned, yeah, Pat Fryermuth not ran a lot of routes. He, I think he's, of players with 45 targets, I think he's last in routes, right? Because that, that targets per route run is so high. Yeah, But but, and this is a key thing, vacated opportunity is real if someone's good enough to grab that opportunity. Yep. And I, I think he has shown that he can do well with the opportunity he has. He's ca- he, he's he's captured his opportunity. He's he, They said, hey, here, we want you to run these routes, and what he's done is done well with his opportunity. And so with Jer- Eric Ebron out, I think he's going to take that opportunity and sort of get those targets. And and so that that's going to be interesting. Um, I I've been impressed so far. The the you know entry price was decently low. He's done pretty well so far. Some people will say he's held up by uh, he's held up by uh, uh, touchdowns. He's actually under. He's actually under expected fantasy points right now. He's at a negative ten point eight. So not incredibly held up by that. But I I've been impressed so far. I don't know if I'm buying necessarily because I doubt anyone's realistically selling
1: right at least not in a dynasty format um you might be able to work something out redraft but probably not in dynasty everyone's looking at it they'll be like look at the value i just got you know in the in the third round or the fourth round and salivating be like i can't believe this is working out for me right now um
0: and i wouldn't sell him if, if you got him in the third or fourth write it out man unless you're sitting there getting like an early second eh, who cares write it out That's Yeah. fun
1: yeah, I mean, you paid the draft capital that you probably paid for the guys nothing. And what's he got to, what's he going to lose next year? I mean, he's going to be in the exact same situation. And like you said earlier, you know, talent demands work. Talent, you know, demands targets. So, yeah, I'm excited. I think he really only has one way to go. It's, and that's really up. And if he doesn't, the, what you paid for him, it's, you're not going to – it's not like you didn't pay the same draft capital of Kyle Pitts, like, right? So, he's already well beyond his floor. He's already well beyond his expected ceiling. So, at this point, why not?
0: Yeah. I, like I said, unless I'm getting maybe a mid to early second, I'm probably just going to write out.
1: I, especially – yeah. No, I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm with you. All right, let's move on. Let's, let's – uh, I'll take the reins here for a second. Um, okay. So <clears> – <throat> This past off season, I was looking at I was looking for some value here at the tight end situation, and I had made a decision where I was like, I'm either going to immediately go for an elite tight end, or I'm just going to completely punt the position, or right? just completely punt it. And so, really, what I came up with is I ended up with mostly either Travis Kelsey or Zach Ertz, and Granted, Zach Ertz was a complete gamble, just complete gamble, right? But the but the thing is, is that in previous seasons, you saw elite tier production out of him. And it's not like that stuff just like melts away. Like, yeah, I guess maybe you could look at Evan Engram and be like, oh, well, you know, it was, it, you know, it kind of the magic fell away, right? But he was on an offense that, didn't really have many other options. Like sure they brought in um they brought in a wide receiver, but all the rest of the options were not that good. Dallas Godert, good tight end, right? But but the thing is, is like he still had consistently been running routes, consistently being targeted. And the thing that held him back was he just had bricks for hands for whatever reason, right? Yeah. And, and then suddenly I caught a huge lucky break. This guy gets traded too. <laughs> <laughs> he, to a t- to a team that he's got um he's got a great quarterback all of a sudden and now he's putting up crazy numbers so, but the thing is it's like i don't think that that's really all that necessarily of a lucky break he just got put into a position where he has he's being better utilized he is being more respected and he you can tell because he's starting to break tackles now. <laughs> and yeah. for anyone who <laughs> doesn't know what I'm referring it. to, there is a there is a Twitter account called uh Zach Ertz yak or YAC. And what it did up until very up until the trade is all it was, was to did Zach Ertz break a tackle. It all did pretty much was say yes or no and 98% of it was no. He did not break a tackle. But this dude breaks tackles now. This dude's been catching touchdowns. This dude has been putting up monster numbers. He has a uh, crazy high target share. Just he's a red zone target again. He's he's ba- basically you're looking at, what was it, 2018, 2019 Philadelphia numbers again now, right? It's what it's looking like again.
0: Yeah, I I love this, by the way. I love you bringing up Zacherts. I, I'm going to give a lot of credit to Pat Corain of NBC. Uh, he's also on Ship Chasing and other great shows such as that. If you've never seen those, go watch those as well. But Pat Corain was saying all off season that Zacherts was one of the best buys in football because with his contract, he was going to play somewhere, whether it was the Eagles or somewhere else, and he was effectively free. And he has paid off, I think, monumentally uh, throughout the re- throughout the entire season his target share has gone up pretty great <laughs> ever since week 3 i think his lowest target share is 12% but beyond that it's been above 18% every game since the trade to arizona he's had you know let's see 18% target share 19% target share 21% target share 21% target share and some people are going to say, oh, well, you know, he's overperforming. You know, he's catching some touchdowns now that he's in Arizona. And it's like, yes, he is. At the same time, his fantasy points over-expected is not that high. So he's not exactly being held up by that much. And this is the part you're going to love, because I know you brought up that, that Zach Ertz-Yak stat. His yards after catch in Arizona are pretty good uh these are these are his yak for each game in arizona 36 23 29 18 and 40 and before that in in in, with philadelphia it was three zero (laughs) three so they're using them in a way that they're getting them open
1: Wait a minute. So let me ask you this: Does that does the yak mean yards after catch or yards after contact?
0: Yards after catch. So mm-hmm. he's not breaking tackles, but he's getting yards after catch, which before he wasn't. Defending. Oh, I guess
1: that's true. He was just kind of grabbing it and either flopping or you know, okay, yeah, or getting hit
0: immediately. But they're <laughs> scheming him in a way that they, they are getting uh, him open, and he's it. getting yards after the catch, and this is exciting like like I think it was week one with Arizona it I was so excited watching this week one with Arizona they they schemed him open and he ran like 15 yards for a touchdown and I was like freaking out because I was like <laughs> oh my goodness Zacherts and I think he broke a tackle too I'm just gonna throw that out there <laughs> Zacherts just got yards after catch and broke a tackle and ran for a touchdown I was freaking out because it was so exciting like this was something we hadn't seen from him in a while and you know getting there in arizona they're clearly utilizing him in a way that is very promising his his target share is great i love this
1: yeah i, I think you're the one that actually inspired me to like look at some of the metrics that you mentioned I, you know what and I, I i may have been inspired to take zekers basically everywhere i could because i was part of two dynasty Startups this past off season, I took Zach Ertz in both of them. I think like, not, like he was basically free in like the late teens or something like that. Nobody, nobody really wanted to deal with it. They everyone wanted to go dirt. Uh, so again, totally big lucky break on that one. Uh, but I, you know, I I think I credit you and and looking at a lot of stuff right because there was value to be extracted there, and a lot of science pointed towards it being something that could be done and so really the takeaway here is is trying to identify those candidates that may be in some sort of a similar situation and i think it's yeah. important that we that you maintain the remembrance of those metrics and be like well you know what <clears throat> there's only one way to go but up could have been a bad year could have been something else right so i think that's the real takeaway here
0: yeah, and I'm just checking here, uh, since, since Zach Ertz has gone to Arizona, Dallas Goddard's expected points are 42.1, and Zach Ertz's expected points are 45.9. So, Zach Ertz has actually got, garnered higher expected points than Dallas Goddard has since that trade went down. So, this is pretty great. I, I'm, I'm so excited about this. I, I think this is super promising.
1: Do you think maybe he watched uh, Goddard get paid and he's like, man, <laughs> I got to get paid, man.
0: Yeah. I mean, I, I, I don't know. I've been so excited about this. This is awesome. Yeah. And, and frankly, for for Goddard, this is also good for him. He... he you know, he was only like a five point difference in expected points. He's doing great. Like, I, I mean, has he has he, you know, necessarily converted all of that to actual points? Not completely. But I'm excited about what this means for Goddard as well. Um, I I wanted to bring in another situation before, you know, we we end this uh but another situation i found interesting and i had mentioned Mm -hmm. this to you and a few other people had brought this to my attention as well and that was the washington football team tight end situation yeah this this was very interesting that i found um that obviously logan thomas was a bit of a surprise in terms of just coming out and immediately getting a lot of work. But one thing that we noticed was when Logan Thomas went down, Ricky Seals-Jones and John Bates have stepped into that role almost like, like exactly. Um, It's been really interesting to me. It almost seems like with the Washington football team, the way they just they they scheme tight ends like that that's something they clearly focus on right. this was a great uh tweet that i saw regarding uh john bates usage at week 11 this was by jacob sanderson or ff underscore rtdb at uh, mm-hmm. twitter um he said the week 11 snap percent leader at tight end was john bates
1: wait do you say john- snap leader
0: Snap percent leader. So percent of team snaps, John Bates. Really? Yes. This team utilizes tight ends. Like, that's just what they do. And so so Logan Thomas kind of comes out of nowhere and sort of you know, a year or two ago with Washington and, and, you know, looks great and everything. He goes down this year and Ricky Seals Jones was sitting there getting like eight targets a game. And then now John Bates immediately stepped into that role as well. So I think this is pretty encouraging the way that the team has sort of signaled to me, at least, that they are dedicated to getting the tight end position involved.
1: And it, it sounds like they don't even care who's there. So if they were to re-inject talent, there's a possibility that you may just automatically see some production.
0: Yeah, like like I generally subscribe to, and Jacob Sanderson points it out in the tweet, personnel d- drives schemes, right? I, I say personnel <laughs> drives targets and everything like that, right? Yeah. In In this case, seemingly, they just don't care. Right. But what as you pointed out, if someone really good ended up there, say like, you know, a, a tight end that we know can demand a large target share and has done it in the past, or maybe a rookie that we're kind of high on. Right. We've talked about Jalen Weidemeyer before out of Texas A&M. Yeah. If he comes in, maybe a second round tight end pick and goes to Washington okay, well, yeah. now now we might see some real upside from the position. Not only do we have a team dedicated to using the tight end, but now we have a tight end that we, you know, kind of high on already. This sort of is a perfect combination. I think this is something to monitor going forward.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I can't, and forgive me, I can't remember if Fitzpatrick has a contract there next year or not, but...
0: I don't think so, but I, I'm manifesting to the world and the universe that Matt Corral is the Washington Football Team quarterback next year.
1: <laughs> I think I would be happy with either one. I'm still a Fitzpatrick fan, but yeah, it would be it would be it would be cool to to see that happen because you know you gotta love talent getting worked yeah. like that. But uh, yeah, I wanted to give out a couple of uh, just a couple of um, honorary mentions. Okay. Here. Uh, Dan Arnold is an honorary mention, right? I like it. Don't have don't have a whole lot. I, it's kind of like a – it's on the back burner. It's kind of like a let's let that simmer let that fit, find out what's happening. So I'm um, keep, keeping that under, uh, under reps here. I, it's nice to see Kittle's resurgence, by the way. I, I'm really enjoying that. I love watching that guy play. Uh, it's unfortunate to see – darren waller fall off a little bit right a little feel like he's being a little underutilized um typically i don't really want to talk about the elites because you you generally don't have to but i feel like those two warranted a little mention just real quick just because they've been having just because of their situations um and i i think I think that's about it. I I can't really think of anyone else that's all that interesting. I mean, you mentioned the rookie. We've, we kind of mentioned the other things. Everyone else just kind of feels like, you know, maybe Dawson Knox?
0: Uh Yeah, Dawson Knox is kind of interesting. Someone that I, I didn't get an opportunity to talk about, but there's a lot you can really dive into with Mike Gusecki, right? And I, yeah. think, I think he was mentioned last year in the tight yeah, end special. Was. I think Nora was a big fan of Mike Gusecki. Yep but his I mean he's been utilized like a wide receiver for a lot of his career and when you guys when you were mentioning at the beginning of the episode when you were saying oh here are some of the most athletic tight ends ever Mike Gusecki's like a top five most athletic tight end ever so he's super interesting I actually just recently shipped him off in dynasty I got a 2023 second round pick I don't know. I I felt like that was really good value. Um, So yeah, I I find him quite interesting, but that, that felt like my sell price. I will stand by that. I feel pretty good about it, but I would say his usage has been incredibly concerning or, or sorry not concerning promising so far and i like dan arnold as well i like that you brought that one up because you know 26 years old and he seems to maybe a potentially revived his career with jacksonville i'd like to uh, that's another situation i'd like to follow going forward
1: yeah i think as as uh t develops a little bit and they seem to be developing a little bit of chemistry as it is now, too. So, and you know, the injury to Chark is helping a little bit. Um, and just kind of the inconsistence of everything else seems to be helping them spark a little bit. So, yeah, interesting to monitor going forward.
0: Awesome. Well, uh, I think this has been incredibly informative, honestly. I mean, I, I really enjoyed everything you added. We talked a little bit about that film we saw with New England. We talked yeah, about some numbers. Yeah, that was really interesting. No, I, I definitely enjoyed this. This this is uh, I didn't get to do this last year. I was on that little special mission, as you mentioned. But uh, this was a good episode. I had fun.
1: Yeah, no. Thank thanks for thanks for helping us put this together. I actually enjoyed watching film with you. It's it, it seems <laughs> like you've been doing your Brett Coleman homework a little bit before you jumped in there. So I enjoyed for, that a
0: lot. For, for those of you that don't know, I. I joke all the time i don't watch film but i can just sat through a film session with me and i'm talking about leverages and things like that and he's sitting there and he's like oh maybe he does kind of kind of watch some of this stuff and i did point out earlier i was literally watching a film on a 2022 penn state running back uh it has high school film so ever i joke all the time i don't watch film i i I really occasionally do i just don't form many opinions on it but uh yeah (laughs) it was fun i i definitely enjoyed watching film with you as well
1: when you started when you started pointing out the 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 way the pips were placed i was like all right this guy he's (laughs) done a little bit of homework so (laughs) all right booze let's send it out Where, where can we find you
0: uh you can find me at boots fantasy on twitter that's boots with a c uh and then also in the flex spot discord
1: and you can find me on twitter at dr Trashdad. that's dr Trashdad. or my website trash.farm also dr Trashdad in the flex spot discord awesome all
0: right well i will uh catch you next week again
1: next week indeed until then